0: My name is Reed, and uh, I have the privilege of serving as the student pastor here at Real Life. I'm going to steal that, just because I would want to make it awkward so I didn't tell you beforehand. Um, So uh, today, uh, I have the privilege of speaking to you guys about, uh, and we've been going through this series of, like, when something, something, right? Like, so today is, like, when God's plan is different than our plan. And when life just looks a little bit different for us than what we thought or what we planned, or God's plan just looks a little bit different than what we had orchestrated ourselves or what we thought that it would be like. Uh, and when I was thinking about this, I was just thinking about we all like to play the what if game, right? We all, and maybe, maybe for you that's, that's something where you struggle with anxiety or something, but something gives you that thought where you're like, okay, what if life was just kind of like this or... What if I was, I was just a little bit more like this, or what if apes really do take over the world? What, what if I could only eat one food for the rest of my life? What would I pick? Or what if we flushed every toilet in the world simultaneously? What if dreaming and awake were backwards? I don't know. I, I don't know. I hope that blows your mind. Uh, what if my best friend murders someone, will I help him bury the body? These are questions, right? Like these are, what if I could read your thoughts, which right now I don't want to. (laughs) What if the number 11 was actually pronounced 1-T-1? What if? What if I tied butter toast to the back of a cat and threw him off of this balcony? What would happen? What if? What if I was wrongfully put in a sane asylum and my only goal was to try to convince him that I was actually sane? What would I say? I don't know. It doesn't matter, right? Because we've seen that movie. (laughs) Here's the point of the message What if? What if God's actual plan for us just looks a little bit different than what we had planned for ourselves? A little bit different than what we've orchestrated. See, when we jump into the story of Esther, if we use Esther as our guide for this, uh, it's really unique because God is never actually mentioned directly in the book of Esther. So the only way that you can kind of figure out or you know what is happening in the story of Esther's life is because you realize that God is the one orchestrating everything behind the scenes. And it's kind of like put together in this like really beautiful way where he doesn't need to be named. You know that he's the one that is making these things happen happen. If we believe this to be true, we have to start with the fact that God has put everything or everyone everywhere in our life with an incredible amount of intentionality. Everything in our life is, is there for this like really specific, beautiful reason to fulfill God's plan. So we're going to jump right in. So uh, we're going to jump right in at the beginning of Esther's story, where we first hear about her in Esther 2, 5 through 7. It says, At that time, there was a Jewish man in the fortress of Susa, whose name was Mordecai, son of Jair. Uh, he was from the tribe of Benjamin and was a descendant of Kish and Shimei. Uh His family had been among those who, with King, that guy's name, Chin, of Judah... <laughs> have been exiled from, uh, exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This man had a very beautiful and lovely young cousin, Hadassah, who was also called Esther. When her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her with his own daughter. See, here's the thing. This kicks off right off the bat, right? We all have this perception of who Esther is, and we all think that Esther has, like, the most beautiful, wonderful life ever, right? Like, we just get this perception. Like, why else would you be chosen by the king? Why else... Would you be this, like, fantastic, loving person that everyone looks at and is, like, enamored by, right? Um, But we see right off the bat, they're like, hey, listen, I want you to know at the beginning of her story, Esther has lost everything to get to this point. Where we started this story, like, she's been shopped around from group to group to group. And we end up here where she's with her cousin finally, but in a land that is not her own with the people that are not her own, other than she just lives with her family. And I'm sure that at times that has gotten really ugly uh, and, and life just really wasn't all that great for her. So do you think that at some point in Esther's life, knowing that she'd been captured, exiled to a different country, her parents were killed, she had no immediate family, do you think that Esther had thoughts in her mind where she was like, I don't really know what I'm doing here? I don't know what I'm good at. I don't, I don't know what purpose I'm fulfilling here. I don't understand this story. What, what purpose or point did she serve? Everyone struggles with that at some point in our heads, no matter how good or bad life is. And in, Esther, in Esther's case, she had lost pretty much everything. Was her life worth anything? Was her life special at all? And I, uh, I would say that probably she would feel like it wasn't. But anyway, she was brought before Xerxes, going on in the story, she was brought before Xerxes, and he loves her because she's beautiful and likable. He declares her queen on the spot, right? Like, he has all these people, all these women and his thing, he's got one queen, uh, and he actually dethrones the current queen to give it to Esther because of how beautiful and likable she is. And let me ask you this, do you believe that being likable and beautiful are spiritual gifts or talents? yeah, I didn't think so. I didn't think that you'd be like, yeah, definitely. I'm super pretty. Like, um, yeah, nobody's ever said that to me, so whatever. Um, So he declares a clean on the spot, but Esther didn't think so either. Esther didn't think that these things that she had going for her were actually talents, but little did she know that she could use this so much different than she thought. And, And here, let me ask you this question. How many of you guys in this room right now think that your talents, what you have to offer other people or God or whatever, is enough? or is top-notch? You're like, yes, I am ready to fulfill God's purpose right now in this body, right? Like that. Oh, no hands raised? Oh, that's weird. Uh, yeah, here, let me, okay, so for all you guys who are parents, you you know this, this toy. I have a two-year-old. She's almost two years old. Um, and this for you, uh, I feel like all of us have had this at some point, right? Like, it's just I don't know if you just come back from the hospital and it's, like, magically in your house, but, like, everyone has one. Um, and, uh, and what I find fascinating about this box um, is you either, like, love it or hate it. And my two-year-old just bashes it, and she doesn't understand that um, – she doesn't understand shapes. So um, I think she understands. I just think she, likes driving me nuts. Um, but uh, she just continues to do this thing where she, like, grabs a shape – and then we tell her, we're like, yeah, it's a triangle. And then she sees, like, this square hole, and she just like And you're like, yeah, that's because it doesn't fit there. Um, and, and you just, like, keep going until she finds the right hole, finally. Um, and then she's like, yay. And you're like, clap for her. And you're like, this is so great, right? Uh, and then she grabs it again. And she's like, OK, wrong hole. Like, I'm, I don't know what else to tell you. Like, this is getting weird. Um, yeah, right? The, Man, kids are awesome. Um, and so this is either, this is either like a, a tool for learning and growing, right? Or it's like um, this is something that was created with mosquitoes from Satan's kitchen, um, and it is to destroy your, your mental health, right? Um, but here's what I find fascinating. As, as I watch her just beat the side of this square box, uh, just trying to find like the right shape, the more I'm like, okay, how many of us just go through life like that? How many of us are just, we are straight-up triangles, uh, and we just want to be squares so bad? So bad. And so you go through your whole life, and you're like, okay, what if I was just made more money? What, What if I just had a different job? What if I had better kids? What if I had blank, you fill in the blank, right? And we're just beating this thing against the box all the time, just being like, why won't this fit? And God's like, that's because you're not where you're supposed to be. You're not happy with who you are. You want to fulfill your purpose? You want to feel great about what, what you are and who you are and what God has given you? Then realize that this is what you have. And you are a triangle and you fit in the triangle hole. So what if you are who you are for a reason? What if you are exactly who you are right now for a reason? What if you are here and you are a triangle, or you are a square, or you are a circle? You name the shape you like the most. I don't know. It's up to you. You name it, and you go. Okay, listen. I am perfectly happy being here because what if God can use me right here? What if everything that I am, every every, every person around me, that this they need me. They need exactly who I am. See, if we believe this is true. Uh, then we know that God has intentionally knitted us together, right? He talks about how valuable we are, how wonderful and uh, incredibly unique we are. We have to look at ourselves that way. You are exactly who you are for a reason. Esther knows exactly who she is. She plays into it in the story. If you read the whole story, Esther knows that uh, she is beautiful and she is likable. And she's like, if this is how I can change the world, then this is how I change the world. This is the hand that I was dealt. Play the hand. What if you are who you are for a reason? So moving on, Mordecai finds out that um, there's this guy, and his name is Haman. And if, uh, if you read the story, he's like the antagonist. He's like the evil doer guy who is just not a fan of people. Um, and Esther um, kind of figures out, or, and, he, and uh, her cousin Mordecai figures out, that Haman actually wants to eradicate all of the Jews. Like, he's like, I don't like them, uh, I, and I don't really know about you, but like, when somebody cuts me off in tra- traffic, like, my first thought really isn't like genocide. Like, I'm angry, but it's not like, I'm gonna kill your whole people, you know what I mean? Um, but this guy, this is, his, this is his deal, right? He is like, uh, he's like, all right, listen, they're in our land, they don't belong here, and I don't want them here, and so therefore, we're gonna get rid of them in any way that we possibly can. Um, So he tries to go around and he tries to um, kill as many of these Jews as possible. Uh, And Mordecai calls for help to Esther. Now that Esther's queen, she has a little bit of pool, right? So he calls for help to Esther. He's like, hey, listen, I need you to talk to the king. I need you to figure out how we can save our people. And there's kind of a problem, though, uh, back here, back then, like if you just show up in front of the king unannounced or uninvited, like you're gonna die. Like that's that's how it that goes. Like, you got to be invited into the king's court or else you don't belong there. And so Esther's like, listen, I don't really know if I can do that. Uh, and so we pick back up in Esther 4, 13 through 17. It says, Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in a, in a palace, you will escape when all the Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at times like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just... Uh, just such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then though it is against the law, I will go, into, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. So um, I just figured we'd play a game. Um, and uh, here's the deal. So I wrote... It's super cute, actually. There's an envelope in the seat back in front of someone in this room, okay? Uh, So if you look in the seat back in front of you, if there's an envelope, it looks like this. It says, yay, you found me. And then there's a heart and a smiley face. Um, That was written by me. So just reach in the seat back in front of you and see if you can find this thing. Nobody? Anybody? I know where I hit it. Yes, awesome. (laughs) You win. Okay. so here's the deal. Um, so I just stole a bunch of like coffee house gift card things and I put them in here and I didn't tell anybody about it. So whether they redeem them or not, I'm not sure. Cause I didn't ask. Um, that's up to Dale. Um, so, uh, so here's the deal. Let me ask you this question. Did you pick that seat on purpose? Oh yeah. You better give her one of those. Yeah. Uh, did you know exactly, there were, did you know that there was something in the seat when you sat there? Right, so let me ask you this question. Do you feel like you sat there, that you are there on purpose or intentionally? Exactly. Yeah, because there is no reason, because I've, yeah, I've, can, I've done this whole thing. It's great. Okay, anyway. So here's the deal. What if, let me ask you this question. What if you are exactly where you are supposed to be when you're supposed to be there? What if you're exactly where you're supposed to be? She didn't know that she was getting the envelope. She didn't realize that she was getting uh, a prize. She didn't realize anything like that, but she was exactly where she was supposed to be to win. Right? How amazing is that to think about that in our life, right? Like, I don't know how I ended up where I'm at. Literally, you can ask my wife. I just wander around and hope things work out. It's It's a weird life, but it happens. The same thing is true for you. What if you are where you are for a reason? What if you're exactly where you're supposed to be? What if you're exactly in the family that you're supposed to be in, even though they're crazy and you're like, I don't really know if I'm supposed to be related to you, right? Like, I got a cousin who pees on electric fences. I know what that's like. It's weird. What if you're exactly in the job where you're supposed to be with the horrible people that you work with? (laughs) What if you are exactly where you're supposed to be right now for God to use you? See, I think, that, uh, I think that Esther had to figure out that, like, you know, even in a foreign land, being the queen isn't all that it's cracked up to be. I'm sure that there were people who hated her. Growing up, I had this body called Tom, and, and uh, Tom was, uh, was kind of younger than me a little bit, um, and I knew him because of uh, football and because of other things. And Tom went to a, a neighboring youth group of ours, and we just grew, uh, we just became friends because we, uh, we were the only guys on the football team who were Christians. So... Um, so we just kind of like grew, grew up uh, close together, and we had these conversations all the time. And uh, one year specifically, Tom was trying to figure out um, why he was in this particular class. He struggled. He didn't understand it. It was a class that he picked. Um, so he was kind of like, okay, why am I here? I don't understand. Um, this teacher's awful. Uh, I hate this place. All that kind of stuff, right, that you do when you're in like ninth grade. Um, and uh, little did he know that there was this kid in this class named Frank. And Frank was, uh, and, and let, me, let me backtrack for a second, Tom was a kid who had, get, who had been bullied for a little bit, but he had gotten bigger, and now he's like 6'5", so no one bullies a 6'5 kid, oh, unless you're dumb. Um, but uh, he had kind of grown up, and, and he knew exactly what this was like, and um, he was in this class, and he met this kid named Frank, and Frank was this kid um, who had been bullied for years, and was just kind of like really down on his luck and in his class. Um, and so Tom took it upon himself to be like, okay, listen, every week I'm going to invite Frank to church then. I don't know what else to do. And so he kind of like, okay, maybe this is why I'm here. And he was like, all right, hey, uh, you know, hey, Frank, do you want to go to church with me? Frank says, no. He does this for three months. Like, I like, I like persistence, but eventually, like, you're kind of nuts, you know what I mean? Um, but he does this for three months. Every week, every Friday, we, we're walking out of the school with our jerseys on, going to go play a game. He's like, hey, Frank, listen, man, you want, you want to end this week? You want to go to church this week? And he says, hey, no, I'm, I'm out. I don't want to go. don't want to be a part of it. I remember specifically this one day, uh, Tom comes in, and he says, hey, listen, um, I'm just kind of fed up, man. And I was like, I get that. He's like, I'm not even going to ask him today. I get that it's Friday, and it's usually what I do on Friday, but I'm not going to ask him today. I'm just going to walk by. And my own business because, like, honestly, it's awkward at this point, and I don't know what to do. I was like, I mean, who am I to tell you what to do? You know what I mean? I'm not Jesus. So, um, yeah, solid advice from a 17-year-old. Um, and uh, he, he kind of walks out, and, and little did he know he forgot something. He has to walk back into school, and, uh, and he, he happens to walk right by Frank. And he sees him again, and he's like, all right, now I feel kind of guilty. Like, this is the one week I haven't asked you. Uh, and so he says, hey, Frank, listen, do you want to come to church with me this weekend? Experience something different. And he was like, you know what? I will. And he, so he brings Frank to church with him, and like three or four days later, he finds out, because uh, um, Frank opens up, he tells the group, he's like, hey, listen, uh, before Tom invited me, uh, that same day on that Friday, like, I was planning on going home and killing myself. And, and, and Frank, like... And Frank, to this day, has accepted and loves Jesus Christ because of Tom's obedience and love uh, for that moment. But here's a question that Tom had to ask himself. Okay, what if I am right where I am for a reason? What if, what if right here, I don't, I don't understand anything else? I don't understand why I'm here. I don't understand why I'm, what I'm doing. I don't understand the work I'm doing. I don't understand the success that's coming from this. But like, what if like, right here is where I'm supposed to be? What if God has you right where, you're, right where you are because you will serve a purpose there? And maybe, maybe it's for a really specific reason, even if, even if it's a really bad, crappy situation. God shows us, uh, God shows us, here's the funny thing about God, God shows us how much love, how much passion he has for people wandering in the wilderness, Right? And so here's, here's my thought, like if, you're, if you feel like you're just wandering around in the wilderness and you're out there lost somewhere, uh, guess what, I, I'm willing to put money on the fact that God is growing and, and stretching you and you are learning and there are some incredible opportunities coming at you out of that wilderness and they may not look like what you think they do. Here's the third one, what if God has them there for a reason? Here's what I mean by them, here's what I mean by them. So growing up, uh, you guys know, like, I, I love playing sports um, and uh, kind of leaving high school, like, for me, the, o- the only option was, okay, like, I really want to be a dual-sport athlete in college. I want to play baseball. I want to play football. Uh, I want those to be options. And uh, going into my senior year, um, my head coach was a nutcase. And I mean that in, like, the most loving, non-loving way, right? <laughs> um, he was just insane. And, and you guys understand when you have people in your life that just don't like you, right? They just don't like you for some reason, or they just don't like you. Uh, and I and I went into his office one day and I said, "Hey, listen, Coach Fitz, I got this. Uh, I I got I have scholarship opportunities, and so like if I don't get this, this, and this, like I'm I'm not going to be able to still play in college." And he looked at me and he said, "You don't have anything." I said, "What?" He said, "Yeah, you don't have anything. You don't have scholarships." You don't have whatever. You don't have the talent or the whatever. I was, and I was like, that's not what I came in here for. I'll be honest. And for some reason, he just really didn't like me. One time I made a mistake. I, I made a mistake. On a, it was on a field goal unit. Uh, and I let a guy through, and he ended up blocking the kick. He was like 6'5 and big. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Jeez, please. So the next day he calls me into his office, he said, hey, I think that you did that on purpose, just to sabotage our team. And I said, you don't think that I love our team enough to not let that happen? He said, no, I don't. I said, okay. I mean, uh, there are people in our life that literally don't care about anything else other than destroying you. They don't. And it seems like a pessimistic view, but it's reality. We all know. There's people in our lives that just don't like us. Let, let me ask you this question. What if Fitz, that coach, Coach Fitz, was in my life for a reason? What if God put him there for a reason? Let's, let's pick back up in Esther. Uh, one day as Mordecai was on duty at the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, uh, Big Thana, which next kid name, just saying, anybody wants it, Big Thana, um, and Teresh, who were guards at the door of the king's private quarters, became angry at King Xerxes and plotted to assassinate him. But Mordecai heard about the plot and gave the information to Queen Esther. She then told the king about it and gave Mordecai credit for the report. When the investigation was made and Mordecai's story was found to be true, the two men were impaled on a sharpened pole. This was all recorded in the book of the history of King Xerxes' reigns. So imagine that you were taken away from your family. Imagine that everything, everything you've ever loved and you thought was great was taken away from you, and then you have an opportunity to save the person who has taken everything away from you, what would you do? Yeah, most of us aren't like, he gonna get his, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and we just let that happen, right? M- Mordecai and Esther, Mordecai and Esther had this opportunity, they had an opportunity to save someone that they really probably did not want to save, right? And they decided to what? They decided to save him, respect him, honor him, Mordecai and Esther had a choice, um, and they made a choice that they thought would only fulfill God's plan. Sometimes God puts people around us that we have every reason to dislike. And if someone doesn't like you, they will treat you awful and feel okay about it. And you might be saying, yeah, but they deserve it. Like, read, you don't understand. Like, you don't, you don't know what I've been through with this person. Unless someone is directly keeping you from God, he calls us to accept everyone and accept them and respect them. Here's a side note learning from Esther. God can use the worst people to fulfill his plan. The worst people. So what if God has them there for a reason? As we continue on in Esther 6, uh, one night this, the, the king was kind of trouble. He had trouble sleeping, and so he calls over this maidservant servant, and, uh, and he's like, hey, will you read to me the story of my reign, right? I don't know if any of you guys are like insomniacs or whatever, and you can't sleep at night, but like, very rarely are you probably like, hey, spouse, can you bring over a book of my deeds and read them to me because it helps me sleep at night, right? Uh, like, it, I'm just assuming, you know, you might have a book. I don't know. Um, if you do, I'd like to read it. I think that that would be funny. But um, here's the thing. Uh, so he goes out. Uh, so this is exactly what he does, though. He, he has him read this story. And in the story of himself, uh, he comes back across the plot to kill himself, or the plot for his guards to kill him in that assassination. And he sees again where Mordecai uh, saves his life, and so he's reminded of it. So he says, he brings in this guy, this Haman guy, uh, who absolutely hates the Jews, and he says, hey, listen, if you had the most loyal servant in the land, the, most, the, mo- the greatest person ever, uh, what would you do for them? What, what gift would you bestow upon them? What is worthy of their trust and love for me. Uh, And so Haman, being the super self-centered dude that he is, uh, he decides that he's going to give him something that he thinks that he should receive. So he's like, yeah. He's like, whoever, whoever your faithful, loving servant is, um, put a robe on him. Give him a horse. Let him ride around the city and declare how great and faithful and loving he is. And he goes, all right, great. Go do that for Mordecai. Right? Which I'm sure if you're like the most self-centered person ever, that is like in your head, you're like, yay, I thought that was for me. And so he goes, and and, uh, while he's going around, Esther is like, I'm the queen, so I'm going to throw a banquet for this guy, because this is what we should do for him, uh, even though he's my cousin. And he throws this banquet, and at the banquet... um, Xerxes is the king. Xerxes is like, hey, listen, is there anything that I can do for you, my bride, the person that I love the most? Is there anything that I can do? And she says, I just want you to save my people. And he's like, anything you name it. He's like, I just. She's. She says, I just want to save my people. And he's like, who would try to destroy your people? And she points out Haman, and he kills him, which is great, um, right? So for all you people who are like, he's gonna get his. Like, he did in the end. But every story doesn't work like that, okay? Every story doesn't work like that. Here's, here's all I know. What if the way God was working behind the scenes was magnificent? What, what if it was like this beautifully painted canvas of something that you've, you could never, ever experience or see before if you're not looking? What, or, or, or even if you are looking, maybe you just don't see it. And that's okay. See, following God takes us this extreme amount of faith and saying, okay, I know who is orchestrating everything behind the scenes and I know what is being painted behind me. I just can't see it, but other people can. What if what's behind you, what's being painted, the the plan that God has for you is so incredibly immaculate and you would see it if you weren't too busy looking at your own blueprints, what you thought your life should be like. Here's all I know. You are who you are for a reason. You are special. You are unique. You are so incredibly uh, gifted in your own way, and God has a plan to use those gifts for his will. You are where you are for a reason, even if this is a horrible, horrible stage of life for you, even if this is a horrible season, or if it's a great season. God has you exactly where he wants you to be in order to grow, learn, stretch, and affect and love other people. The people around you are here for a reason. We have them for a reason. See, when you give all these things airtime, you start to realize that God's plan often doesn't look like ours, but it is so much more beautiful than we could ever imagine. He's giving you some some incredible opportunities to follow him and love him and show people his love. The question is, what if... You just, to, you just chose to make the most of those opportunities. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for um, a chance to talk about you. God, thank you for the story of Esther. Uh, through her, we know um, your power, and we know um, your love and orchestrating and building a plan for our lives. God, thank you so much um, for her and her story. God, as we go this week, um, pray that you... Help us, give us the vision, give us your vision of what it is, and, and God, even if you don't, God, give us, uh, help us to have the faith, um, to trust that your vision is what's best for us. We pray in your name, amen. All right, so as customary, uh, I'm going to leave you guys with a blessing, so if you want to stand up, uh, you can put your arms hands out like this, it means you're receiving the blessing. Um, go this week, love God, love people, serve the world, hug somebody, tell them you love them.